0: Hi, this is Big Talk, Michael Glab here, my guest this week in the studio, Christian Medina. He, like many of the guests on Big Talk, is a person who wears many different hats. He's a research geologist, and boy, I want to find out about that because he comes from one of the driest places on earth. Thank you for being on the show. On the contrary, thank you for inviting me. You, my friend, are uh, founder of a Publishing firm. You've been an editor and a publisher. You're a chess player. You've been a radio host. You do so much. You're even working on your PhD right now.
1: That's right. Um, I, I, As you say, I carry many hats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you came from a place called right. Arica, Arica, Chile. It's the northernmost city in the country. And it's in, I'll bet people don't know this, what's the driest desert on earth?
1: the Atacama Desert.
0: And that's where Arica is. That's where I grew up. And what's this little factoid about the annual rainfall you mentioned it?
1: Yeah, uh, when you look at the annual precipitation of any location on earth uh, my hometown is the one with the lowest amount of rainfall in the world, as a city. Of any municipality? Right, any place. However, I must point out that lately the last Three, five years we've had these really uh, abnormal rains coming in into the city uh, well we can talk about global warming are people that's saying
0: that's... that that might be global warming effect
1: uh, I yes speaking sure. speaking of rainfall
0: and water you are described as a reservoir
1: research scientist about 10 years ago I joined the Indiana Geological and Water Survey as a research scientist there and uh-huh. we look at the reservoir now the reservoir is, it can be called a water reservoir or in my case I refer to a reservoir to a place where fluids can flow that is could be gas could be oil could be water so reservoir is the general term to refer to a Rock that can contain some fluids.
0: I also noticed that uh, you specialize in
1: things like carbon sequestration and petrophysics. Right now we look at the reservoirs at the subsurface for other reasons. One of my research topics deal with the fact that there is global warming, there are uh, CO2 emissions that are produced by uh, power plants. We are a state that burns a lot of coal mm-hmm. to generate electricity. And therefore all of those CO2, all of the CO2 generated by it ends up in the atmosphere and we believe that that's creating is one of the big factors for global warming it's yeah. fixed in the molecules of carbon and then when you burn it you release it as a gas into the atmosphere and the goal here is to capture that before it gets into the atmosphere then you compress it you you know, you clean it until you have a pure CO2 stream. And the idea is what we are evaluating now is maybe we can inject it down deep, the soft surface into the reservoir, yeah. the sedimentary rocks way below the, the, the aquifer system where we get the water from. And the idea is to put it there in a secure mode, if you will. You might be one of the people who helps us clean the air in the future. Well, yes. I believe in that this is a I call it a bridge technology. It's something that it won't solve all the problems. I strongly believe we need to we need to move towards more like uh renewables energies. However, we are not there yet. As a society, even though we are making the effort to move into more solar and geothermal, we are not there yet in terms of the amount of energy being involved. Uh, In the meantime, for the next, I don't know, 50, 100 years, we need to come up with a plan so we stop heating up the planet. I mean, we all know what's
0: happening. (laughs) So we're glad there are people like you right here in Bloomington.
1: Right. We we are a state-of-the-art university here. We are doing some research. We collaborate a lot with our neighbors. Uh, uh, geological surveys with other universities, research institutes. I mean, it takes a village, right? And so we are working with many other geologists and scientists and policymakers to make sure that this is done in a safe uh, way. So this kind of stuff really got to you as a kid? When I was in Chile, yes. As I was growing up, I had the mountains right there, the Andes the andes uh, the andes uh, yes on one side we have the coastal range on the other side we have a uh, central depression we had volcanoes uh, we have the ocean so we have a lot of uh, geomorphology mm-hmm. and geology in chile and then when i went to school to college i signed up for mechanical engineering and ah. and and then when i discovered geology it changed my life i was like this is what i want to do when I was a kid, I wanted to be uh, an archaeologist, then a oh. geologist. I had this fascination for sure. nature.
0: So that that drew you in. And then at some point, you came to Indiana University. By the way, anybody who's interested in learning about the latest things in geology can go to your own website right which is uh dot com. there's all of these links
1: to different new uh, developments and people making blog entries right right i'm trying to keep all my research in one place yeah and that's a good way to do it but also for those who want to learn more about the geology in indiana the survey, the Indiana Geological Survey, is open to the public. We have a publication sales. We have open wow. space for people to go and, and read and find more about uh, the geology. We have experts in different fields that they can consult, call, or visit in, in person. So it's really open to the—that's our mandate, right? As, as a state organization, we ought to give the information. That ain't all you do, mister. (laughs) That's right. That's on the eight to five kind of thing and
0: uh, kind of work I do. Like many chess players, you describe yourself almost in deprecating terms. You say, I'm not that good. Well. Somehow (laughs) you have uh, earned the title of president of the Bloomington, Indiana Scholastic Chess Club. What's that gang all about?
1: Yeah. So my son is, is a chess player. Uh uh-huh. I would say he's a good chess player. How old is he? Uh, he's eleven. So he showed interest in that when he was six years old, and since then he's been studying it and practicing and competing in different places. So as I was going with him to this club, which is a non-profit organization, uh, I. I got interested in just making sure that chess is such a great thing by the way to just see your kid or any other kid get getting engaged in this fabulous game mm. and how they you know their focus their attention gets into that. Yeah. Uh, it's marvelous, right? For many other reasons too. So
0: such a good way to teach you how to think Rationally, sequentially, logically.
1: Right. And also for the patient, you know, be a good sportman, sportsmanship, you know, like sometimes you lose and it hit you. You almost thought that you had the game and then you, they they learn several uh, life hacks, if you will, (laughs) uh, going through that. Uh, So I became the president. Uh, We meet every other Sunday. At the public library, uh-huh. uh huh, we have about fifteen to twenty kids attending every other Sunday, one who can, thirty. Who can all go? Uh, everyone can go, uh-huh. and a kid the age K twelve is Scholastic, so K through twelve, Kinder through twelve. Uh huh. Twelve, I
0: mean 12th grade. The Bloomington Indiana Scholastic Chess Club.
1: You can get to them at b i s c c dot That's correct. I recently joined the United States Chess Federation, USCF, and uh, I will have my first tournament on the 22nd of September. It's going to be at the public library, Ah, Saturday, ah. all day Saturday. So we are organizing it in we made a partnership with an indianapolis chess club uh-huh. and they were interested in coming here bringing their people and we will provide our players and uh, we will have a tournament there and i decide to join it for the first time it's my first tournament so i am unrated now uh-huh. after that first tournament they put you they give you a number we'll right? see we'll will it see. be high it,
0: will it be low we'll it, find it, out
1: yes it's all in good spirit <laughs> la,
0: la, la. Oh. Fundraising week here at WFHB. It's our fall fund drive. You have been a volunteer here at WFHB. That's
1: right. I am really familiar with this radio station. Uh, this room. This room. This yeah. is where we, well, I used to be the host of uh, Ola Bloomington uh-huh. a couple of years ago and before then. Hola Bloomington is air every Friday from uh, 6 to 7, and then La Hora Latina, which is Latin music from 7 yeah. to 9. I mean, the, the idea is to bring people together to you know, spread the news, uh, to tell important events and news to the Latino community in south-central Indiana. There was an article in the
0: Limestone Post a little while ago. They were asking people around town about
1: certain books, and you chose which book? Uh, it's called Mi lie in Spanish, or My Lai yeah. in, in English. As uh, in
0: untruth. R- yeah. My truth, or my, my, uh, my untruth. My untruth, right. yeah,
1: yeah. And also it had a political reference to My lie" in, in Vietnam, in, oh, in yeah. Asia. So yeah. some massacres there, the massacre of Milai. Right.
0: Lie. Who is uh, the author?
1: The author is called Carmen Berenguer, a Chilean poet.
0: Yeah, who she, di,
1: who did come to the United States? She came, yes, she came. Mm-hmm. But she, we tried to brought her here. We just couldn't. But she to, came to, to Bloomington. To Bloomington, but ah. she ended up in going to New York City. The, uh-huh. She used to live in the United States in the eighties, and she founded this woman poetry Latin American woman movement uh, during the eighties. I wouldn't be a bit surprised to find out that you write poetry yourself, do you? Uh, not much. No? Uh, no, I like reading poetry. Yeah. I haven't published myself. I used to write a little bit but uh, I, I I, really don't write on a, cons- on a regular basis. You also do a lot of work at Mother Hubbard's Cupboard. I am a regular volunteer there. Yeah. I go once a week uh, you know with so many uh, activities and commitments. Uh, I decided to do it it's every. I go there every Thursday. Yeah. Uh, in the afternoon. I'll, I'll tell
0: you what. You tell the audience how to volunteer for Mother Hubbard's cupboard, and then
1: I'll tell the audience how to volunteer here at WFHB. Okay. You go. Okay. So the Mother Hubbard's cupboard is a is a. Uh, pantry located in Bloomington in south uh, in, in in near Rogers and Adams and uh-huh. every they are constantly looking for volunteers and they hold like every other month they hold a volunteer orientation and it's really well organized uh, you will get all the information you need before starting to volunteer and yeah. believe me that training that that one hour orientation is super necessary to understand what the scope of this uh, uh, of this pantry which is the in a divided in a way in three parts, the kitchen, the pantry, and the garden. Ah. So you can volunteer on any of those. I was first interested because I like cooking. Uh, I ah. used to cook big pots of food and then bring it to people's park or the other park for people in need. But then it was complicated. I don't know if the, there was a, an issue with ah. uh, with the homeless. They they kept moving from place to place. Yeah. Well, without getting into much detail, I thought that the mother hovers was in a way doing a great job doing yeah. that. So anyone is welcome to go there. Uh, anytime you can work as of two hours a week up to as many hours you want. And it's, it's an amazing job what they are doing there. It's a no question asked pantry for people to shop uh, there. And they have, you know, you, they need a lot of help for sorting produce and um, putting things on shelves and working on the garden, cooking meals, etc.
0: And for those who want to uh, volunteer for WFHB, we hold uh, volunteer get-togethers uh, the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, our volunteer coordinator is Cindy Boley. And uh, if you want to volunteer, just go to WFHB.org and look for the little button that says, I want to volunteer. Also, you might look for the red button
1: that says, I want to donate, because it's a fund drive. That's right, I went, in fact, yesterday to the web donate and let me tell you it was super easy to do it so anyone who is wondering how can I do it should I send a check or call you go online and it's super easy to do it with one red button I believe in community aggregation you know you don't have to think that how much you do it but if everyone you know have the spirit of going there and securing a donation, and it can be any amount, and I believe in this project very much. I mean, it's the only pow- volunteer power community radio. How beautiful, how, how... Fabulous. How beautiful and, is that? And we're so all over the map. Right. Music,
0: issues, it really reflects a very diverse community.
1: That's correct. People on the street, I, I, that's my default radio on my way to work, in my car. Democracy Now! Is, is also air in the morning. So yep. it's such an amazing uh, uh, station here.
0: So how did you wind up in Bloomington, Indiana?
1: Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I was in Chile um, when I met my wife. She Mm -hmm. was doing field work in Chile. She's an historian. She studied Ah. the history of technology in Chile. No kidding. So she was doing her PhD and visiting the country. We met, and we lived there for a few years until we decided to move to the US. Uh And at that time, she was finishing a PhD in Boston, so I moved to Boston. But she already had gotten an offer for Indiana University. Uh And she said, do you want to move to Indiana? And I said, sure. I didn't even know where exactly Indiana was, but that's, that's my spirit, you know? Yeah. I, I am. You're an adventurer. I am, yeah, in a way, I just, uh, if life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. I mean, it's like a way of saying, you take the best out of any life uh, event, right? So you're at home now, huh? Yes, my, my son was born here. So uh-huh. he's a Hoosier. Um, I've been here for, what, 14 years? So uh-huh. this has been a while, so I like this place. It's, Bloomington is such a special, vibrant, vibrant uh, yeah. uh, uh, place for many reasons. As if there isn't enough to
0: talk about with you, there's more. What is Cardboard House Press?
1: Yes, in 2014, I had the fortune of meeting a really good friend and um, poet. His name is Giancarlo Wapaya, He's a Peruvian poet. He was here because his wife was uh, getting a degree at SPIA IU. So the first conversation we had was about poetry, Chilean poetry, Peruvian poetry. And he's like, you know, I have an idea. And have you heard about cartoneros, the cardboard movement? Cardboard Cardboard, movement? Yes. And I will show you a few books that we made. So the cardboard movement started in Argentina after a big depression there, an economic crisis. People didn't have money to buy books, so they start making books. They say, okay, we're going to make a deal with those guys on the streets recycling cardboard. We're going to cut them and then make books. And then we say, okay, let's do it in Bloomington. So we called, we made this workshop for children. We had like 20 or 30 kids every weekend at the public library for seven weeks. And the kids, you know how they are, really receptive. They wrote their own verses. They painted some books that we brought for them. And then they stitch and put their own books. And this doesn't and look like
0: junk to me at no. all. This looks and this then, is symmetrical. It's neat. Yes. It's
1: well made. It's beautiful. It's Ye- got sort of a... A shiny blue yeah, and gray cover. All by hand, we painted the covers. We wow. cut everything with hand stitch. So when when we finished this workshop with the children, we decided to move forward and do it in a more uh, 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 consistent way, if uh-huh. you will. So, we created this workshop in, at the university. We held this workshop in the public library at Boxcar Books that no longer exist. Yeah. And at La Casa, Latino Cultural Center, they were really gracious into lending us a space there. And we met on a weekly basis to make many, many books. Uh, that's one example. I am showing you these cardboard uh, pieces of art. And wow. our books are all bilingual right yes they are native in the nat- native spanish on the left hand side on each page and on the right hand side we have the translation so our work consisted not only in making these books but also editing the book which is making sure there the, the, the you know the, the there was no typos at the meaning the translation we didn't yeah. we didn't modify much what the translator right did, right because it's their own work but we made sure that everything was um, was in good place. Here's another example. I'm showing you more books. That uh, this is the book I was uh, reading at the time the Ah yes, post, uh, my life. Yeah, my life. This is Carmen Berenger. Is right. that how you say? Right, right. Carmen Berenger. Yeah, she's a really well known poet in Chile. All of our authors, Carmen Berenger, Raúl. Hernández, uh, this is Néstor per- Perlonger from Argentina, uh-huh. Domingo de Ramos from Peru, Roger Santibáñez from Peru. So all of our authors are Latin American. These and are beautiful.
0: Yeah. And and I'm holding in my hand a copy of a, of a book called Unemployed Poems. Poemas OK. When I run the tips of my fingers over the cover, I can feel the strokes of the—I think that's watercolor.
1: Uh, That's watercolor done with a stencil. With a stencil. Right. And
0: I feel that. So essentially what I'm feeling is the actual work of the artist.
1: That's right. Isn't that wonderful? And these are all—these were made in Phoenix, Arizona, because Uh Giancarlo, the other co-founder, and now he's the director of Carver House Press, he moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and these workshops continue to be held now in Santa Cruz, California, and Phoenix, Arizona. And soon enough, we have seven—well, we, I say we, but yeah. because I left Cardboard House Press on December 31st last year, yeah. because of many live events, I got too busy with the yeah. PhD. So, But I am a big fan of Cardboard House Press. Anyone who is interested, I strongly recommend they go to the website where you can see the books. And at, that website is
0: cardboardhousepress.org.
1: That's correct. Right. Look at this, look at it. and it's look it's got at a
0: dust jacket. Yeah, look beautiful. At that.
1: And look, we paint this back cover. We did it with uh, alcohol and then wow. and water. We we call it annex. This workshop, we call it like a laboratory because yeah, yeah. we always experiment with stuff. Because we like, okay. everything's
0: different and new, huh? Right.
1: So yeah, how are we gonna do our make our next book? And we always fold and try trial and error right and this art is lovely oh, that's, i love uh, those colors that was made by a muralist from peru um a very talented guy lenin vasquez so correct. much what did i miss what else do you do uh well um do you play soccer i used to play soccer oh. and then i twisted my ankle so many <laughs> oh. times and 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 I sprained them many times, so I don't play soccer anymore. I just exercise regularly, you know, run. And, and Hey, tell you what. You said you used to like to cook. Do you still cook? Yes, I do cook a lot. What are some good Chilean dishes? Can Oof. you describe any? There are many. Um, uh, one that I really like to make is a southern dish. That, southern? Uh, uh-huh. Southern, southern Chile, uh, which is called pulmaye. Uh, or curanto, right? Curanto okay. is a traditional dish that is done in the Chilote area, in Chiloé. And it in there, it consists of making a hole in the ground and you put... Seafood, like clams and uh, other... You You're know, right like, by like, the ocean. Uh, right, by the ocean. You put mussels, potatoes, and then you cover it with hot stones. You put hot, hot stones, stones. Then cover it with big leaves. Obviously, what I can... What kind of leaves? Those are... They are called nalkas, which are leaves that are like one or two meters it diameter. It looks like a, 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 the size of a bath towel. It is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a gigantic leaf that they cover it with and uh, and then they uncover it and then you eat all the food from the hole. Now, because I cannot do it here, I, there is the, the pot version, the kitchen ah. version of that. And you put... Um, uh, seafood some people put meat on it i you know you can depending on on, on if you eat meat but uh it's it's, it's a great dish uh, i want uh, some right now yeah this is soup you can keep the soup and <laughs> it's so yummy are there any spices or
0: herbs which are uh, sort of indicative of chilling cuisine yeah i mean cuisine? we eat
1: the chile i mean the uh-huh. ají which is the chili. Yeah. Uh, it's a yellow color. Uh, uh, let me tell you, the Peruvian food is my favorite in Oh, the world. oh that, well, uh, you were only a few uh, miles away. Yeah, and the Peruvians are world, world masters. I mean, they are fully recognized for their cuisine, and it's just a wonderful. If you have the opportunity of going to a Peruvian restaurant in Indianapolis, there is one called Machu Picchu, and they have a really vast menu of Peruvian, Peruvian food, marvelous. I also cook a lot of gazpacho, which is a Spanish mm. cold tomato, cold base. That's that something you need every summer. I'm oh, telling yes, you. Yes, summer is, is finishing, but I still cook it every week and I share it with my colleagues and friends. That's.
0: I'll bet they love you over uh, at the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Geological Survey. They
1: do, they do. <laughs> they like the gazpacho, it has uh, a very good.
0: Um, More to go, Christian. You're involved in a project right now in conjunction with the city of Bloomington. What's going on there?
1: Oh, that's right. I don't know if you know Sean Starovich, an amazing guy doing great stuff for the arts. The the Arts Commission fellow. The Arts Commission. So I put together a grant with another person about a year ago, and we succeed with that. And I believe it's in the process of construction, so I need to double-check with that. But uh, soon enough, we are going to build a parklet which is a structure, a wooden structure that looks like a deck yeah. that you put on a parking space. Uh, so on the streets, it's mobile, movi- you can move it from place to place. You can store it away. But basically this is a place where people can go and hang out, sit down, work, drink a coffee, have a conversation in the There are
0: chairs, there
1: are benches. Yes, are. it's like a bench made oh. out of wood. Yeah. And we are doing it with Daniel Waddle. He's a carpenter who does tiny homes in Bloomington. I don't know if you've seen. So, so it's a tiny park. It's a tiny or, park. Or as you say, a parklet. It's called a parklet, right. Yeah. And it's going to be the first one on, in Bloomington. So you can see those in, in larger cities like LA or yeah. Berkeley or more progressive places and the idea is to return the public spaces to people. Yeah. You know, one parking slot at the time.
0: So do you have to uh, drop coins in the meter then uh, to take up the parking space?
1: Uh right. Right now we are in convers- we are in conversations with the city uh-huh. so they will allow us to place it in in right. to take one parking spot permanently. So for, you put for this the thing on a trailer. Yeah, you can unassemble that and then put it on a pickup truck and move oh, it to another location. Uh, the idea is that you don't do it that often. You just leave it for the fall in one place, then move it for the winter, store oh, it away. I see. Uh-huh. It's a moving parklet, moving, yeah. moving. I don't know how to call it, moving deck. <laughs> it's a parklet. Right. Well, let's it's go with that. I, I like that That's word. Right. And when might we see that first oh, one? Oh well, um, I. I would say after the winter, maybe. So You're working spring. hard on
0: it. Right. Hey, after the winter, you might have your PhD. Hey, fingers crossed, yes, right? Finger yeah, fingers crossed. I know. I see that worried look in your oh face now. Goodness. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yes. Gosh. I'm, I mean, as a matter of fact, after this interview, I'm going back to my office and, and work more on that. Work, 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 work. Work, work, That's right. Well, thanks
0: for taking time out of your work to join us here My guest has been Christian Medina, research geologist uh, with uh, the Indiana Geological and Water Survey, and a person who does so many things. Thanks
1: for being on Big Talk. Okay. Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure to be here today.